Welcome to a brand new edition of Tyler's Take, the podcast. We're going to go old school, okay? We're going to be talking, discussing Mid-South Wrestling from April 10, 1982. One of the hottest professional wrestling areas, regions, but it was a territory that was Mid-South Wrestling. And we're going to talk about this episode. A lot of the stars were on it, from the Wild Samoans, the Big Cat Ernie Ladd, the Cowboy Bill Watts himself, as well as the Junkyard Dog, JYD. Also, Tolly Blanchard, and so much more. We're going to get into it. I can't wait to talk about this is the, the way wrestling should be. Even though I know things have to change and evolve, as they call it, I still miss this kind of 80s wrestling. And it was hot. It was all about the fans. What I mean is it was just, it was happening. It was exciting to borrow some even old terms from that time. And I can't wait to... To add a little bit of detail, I'm going to try to break it down to the best of my abilities. I'm your host, Tyler Peters. I'm doing it a little different with the format for this program. But, hey, it was totally 80s, and it was totally awesome, even with wrestling. Not just the sitcoms and music was king, but also professional wrestling. How about that? You like that segue? You're going to get some opinion. You're going to get some passion. You're going to get some honesty. And I loved watching this. And it only took, what, 41 minutes without commercials, which is even better because you get more of the product. But, yeah, from the iconic start, every wrestling program, even back then in the 1980s, had to have that iconic theme. Did they not? Very fitting, appropriate. It was a golden era of professional wrestling. You want to go ahead and ask me that question if you're listening? My answer is yes, even before WrestleManias. This was a golden age and era for sure. Of Mid South Wrestling. The commentators were Boyd Pierce and the Cowboy Bill Watts. That's what I'm talking about. They welcome viewers if they're tuning in from their homes, want to check out a hot, great wrestling show that's got storylines, some amazing angles, and some of the biggest stars from all around the world, not just in the United States alone. And I enjoyed all the nostalgia, the retro vibes. All the TV shows we talked about were presented in such a way. And every territory's program was presented in their own unique way as well. You could look at Crockett, AWA, so many of them, and even Mid-South had their own way of doing things, which you would respect and want, to be honest. I was trying to think of a word. That's why, you know, it was coming to me, but I'm, I'm so just pumped up to talk about some Mid-South wrestling. And all the stars, we, we talked about it. Before he was the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Some of them came in later. I mean, you had Coco Beware also. Before he was that gimmick showing up in Mid-South. You had Sting, the Ultimate Warrior. When they were starting at the very beginning of their career, and a lot of people wasn't seeing them. the uh, the talent and star value of these, uh, these two athletes when talking about Sting and and Warrior, who they would eventually become. They were kind of a knockoff of the Road Warriors. They were the Blade Runners. Eddie Gilbert, hot stuff Eddie Gilbert, one of Tennessee's own. And Bill Dundee, a lot of them, when they were making that talent exchange, would come in. But even before that, you had Ernie Ladd, the Wild Samoans. We just talked about it. You had Hatsaw Jim Duggan, one-man gang. You had so many people that you recognize you know, wrestling at WrestleManias, at SummerSlams, at Survivor Series. But before they did that and made the, their way to New York up north, they were making a name for themselves early on 
in Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and the Mid-South Territory. And what made an impression on me, even going back revisiting a lot of these shows, a lot of these great moments and memories, is how great the stories were. I can't stress that enough. And they're logical. They make sense. Oh, that's a that's a miracle. We could use that in modern wrestling. We still get a few of those storylines, but fuse the key word. We need a lot more of that. And they could take notes and learn something from watching these great territories. That's called Mid-South Wrestling, folks. I mean, you could take a pick, Jim Crockett Promotions. I'm going to be a little bit more, I wouldn't say a high horse, so to speak, if you've heard that saying. That's a good old Southern Oklahoma, but I'm just going to break it down, and I'm not talking about DX. I know that's what comes to mind when we're talking wrestling. No, we're going back farther than that, quite a bit farther. And I'll tell you, one of the ways to start a program, you show the footage of what's been going on going back to February the 3rd of 1982. Remember, this was April the 10th of 1982 when this episode aired originally. So that's important to keep in mind the dates. I'm going to try to follow along like you, our listeners. I appreciate your support. I hope you'll listen and put up with me. And yeah, it shows the big cat Ernie Ladd getting attacked by the Wild Samoans, Afan Sika, led by their manager. Skandar Akbar, not only a famous professional wrestler, but also turned out to be a, a great heel manager, talking about being a villain, a bad guy when we say heel, that term. And that's what it took, issues, rivalries, to build these feuds, to give them momentum. It was just great booking. Easy for us to say now, but you don't realize the genius of somebody like Cowboy Bill Watts or an Ernie Ladd or a Dundee who were booking. Mid-South at the different uh, periods in time throughout the 80s. And Akbar just got that heat, as you've heard that term, by getting the villains to beat up the heroes so the fans can disdain them more. They, they don't like them. And the fans were passionate back then. It was like rock concerts. If you had the heroes coming out like a rock and roll express, they were all about it. The Midnight Express, they wanted to beat them up even though that would be a mistake because you got a racket to the head. Trust me, listen to the experience and drive through by Jim Cornette. He don't need me to plug him on my little old podcast, but I'll do it. I'm a big fan and supporter. So be it. If you don't like that, then don't listen to the show. I got news for you. I can't help you there. I'm just being honest, just being real, but please listen. I'm desperate. But hey, I'm also a co-host on a wrestling show. We've got some time. We'll go through these matches, but also Check out the Rewind Wrestling Radio podcast now on Sportinarium Internet Radio. We're so excited. Thank you, Sportinarium. Also, we're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're doing our thing. We're all over the place. We'll review modern-day wrestling. Also, we'll have some fantastic conspiracy theory segments and just a plethora of just fantastic things to talk about on the Rewind Wrestling Radio Podcast. And also, we're on YouTube. Can't forget about that. Subscribe, go like, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And I don't believe we're on Snapchat because that's uh, our host, Ted, is against it. We love you, Ted, but it's true, man. There's something about Snapchat. He's got to talk about having a feud with him. There you go. And also, I'm part of the a co-host on the Figure Guys Podcast. We're also on YouTube. And check out the listening platforms for that as well, because we're on Amazon. We're on Audible. We're going all across the world. We're talking about adults who like to play with toys, figures, not figurines. 
That is the Figure Guys podcast. I've got to plug everything and also Coastal Championship Wrestling, one of the hottest independent professional wrestling promotions this side of the Mississippi, heck, all around the world. They talk about some Mid-South wrestling angles. I'm not sure, but I wanted to say it. It sounded better. But they are just talented, and I'm so appreciative of the opportunities that I've had with them. We're part of that CCW family. Instead of ECW, they're chanting CCW. Maybe they ought to chant Mid-South, but no, CCW will work as well. So let's get into this thing. Had to plug all these great people that have supported me. It's part of the wrestling community. We're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about all genres of entertainment, though, for Tyler's sake. I'm going to change up the format. You may hear me say that a couple of times. You're going to get a little bit of attitude, okay? But, yeah, what were we talking about? All the stars were coming out for Mid-South Wrestling, the storylines with Ernie Ladd, One Man Gang. We'll get back on the topic. We may go off the rails. Who knows? But going back to February 3rd of 1982, that was just, that's the way to tell a story. Hello. Come on. I see some programs that need it. Maybe you ought to, if only Ernie Ladd was still alive, with all due respect, we could sure use him, could we not? And even Bill Watts. I know he's taken a lot of criticism. Hey, we're all not perfect, but I I respect the Cowboy, and we could sure use some of his expertise. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'll I'll take criticism later. I'll take it all day long for that matter. But we get a tag team match. Speaking of the Wild Samoans, great segue. They're going to be taking on the team of Junkyard Dog, JYD, as he's known, and Mike George, his tag team partner. And this was a great match. Great psychology. George held his own along with JYD, Junkyard Dog, in case you hadn't remembered from just the prior moment ago. They did very well against those dangerous opponents, those wild Samoans. Of course, they're Skandar Akbar. you got to watch out for him. He's a factor. Managers actually still can interfere. It's amazing. They don't have to do it all the time, but it's nice to see every now and then. Thank you, Jesus. That's a prayer answer, and I'm going to take you to church, give you the gospel of old school wrestling. How about that? Give you a little southernology there. I made up my own words. You need a theosaurus, a, a dictionary. I don't think you could find it even if you found one. But there you go. Hallelujah. I'm glad we could go to church with some wrestling. There you go. And I'll tell you, this was just fantastic match. Very physical. I mean, just my personal opinion. The best years of some of these stars when talking about DiBiase, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, even though they went on this show in particular, we could use Ernie Ladd or Junkyard Dog. They went over gimmick. I mean, I was a big fan of the WrestleManias of Vince McMahon. I respect what the man's done. But it was a different style. I get it. But seriously, I loved and have further appreciated how these stars just came into their own. They were established and became bigger stars on a more national level. I get it. But there's nothing like when they're on a regional basis in these territories. There was just the storylines. They were awesome. And that's one of the big takeaways that I noticed. And I have to go back talking about going back to revisionist history, if you will. You know, if only I could do it in in a Dusty Rhodes voice, but Bruce Pritchard has got the best Dusty Rhodes, so I'm not even going to attempt it. I mean, I've tried it before, but it's very hard to do. But, you know, talking about the American dream, it's still wrestling. I know I went off the weeds a little bit, or rails, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know anymore. Just follow me. It's great. And I'll tell you what, 
you know, we get these kind of storylines that that mean something. They they've got all the intangibles. They've got all the ingredients. They make a great dinner, don't they? Now I'm getting hungry. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll tell you what. It's just fun to go back and watch how it's all made creatively from a booking standpoint. That's what I mean when I'm saying dinner for crying out loud. But the Wild Samoans, hey, they can fly for big guys. They were athletic. They were dangerous. They were bad to the bone. Akbar interfered. We talked about it. He brought in not just a steel chair, but I believe a wooden chair. It all hurts into the ring, and that's what helped Alpha and seek a win. They became the new Mid-South Tag Team Champions. So they won. They beat the JYD and Mike George. And uh, the Wild Samoans were a great tag team. You forget just how how fantastic they were. And there was a tag team called the Fantastics, but I'm going to use it here. They were fantastic, the Wild Samoans. So there you go. And I had forgot, here's another great point, that the many top superstars went on to have famous runs with Jim Crockett in their mid-Atlantic territory from Dusty Rhodes, Magnum T.A., and Tully Blanchard. Even if they were booked for certain dates, they made appearances wrestling, competing for the Cowboy Bill Watts and Mid-South Wrestling. So one-man gang, who's part of that faction with the Wild Samoans, makes sense with uh, the new Mid-South Tag Team Champions with Skandar Akbar. He took on Mike Boyer. Unfortunately, it just wasn't Mike Boyer's day. This was meant to make your... Your big monster, he'll look great in one-man gang. Boy, you tried with quickness, but the, you forget the size and domination. And just you could see the early-on potential and talent of one-man gang. But at the end, one-man gang was just too much and scored the win, the victory. And it didn't take long to put away Mike Boyer with all due respect to him. Non-title matchup. We get a lot of the Wild Samoans often seek of the tag team champions of Mid-South verse. A unique tag team, and Iron Mike Sharp and Buddy Landale. I love seeing the early progression of all these superstars when talking about Mike Sharp and Buddy Landale in their early years. Need to watch these famous wrestlers. You know, I talked about it. The early stages. You see, you're witnessing on these such programs as Mid-South Wrestling. Sharp takes an aggressive approach early on. Why not? you got to go after the tag team champions, even if, if it's non-title. Let me try to say that 20 times fast. I've had my coffee. Come on now. Wake up, Tyler. Landell chose to work on the arm using his technical ability. I was impressed by Buddy Landell. He wasn't even the nature boy. He wasn't one of the nature boys yet when talking about Buddy Landell. His hair wasn't even bleached yet. He still had the dark brown hair. Or maybe it was just brown. Who knows? Takeaways from this match is they knew how to pace the match. They knew the spots to go slow, knew how to go fast. It was a, just a nice rhythm to it all. Enjoyed watching Mike Sharp's willingness to attack, get aggressive against the Wild Samoans. Buddy Landell was exciting to see what he brought to the table to this match in particular. But the Wild Samoans at the end win. you got to keep building them. They are your tag team champions, whether it's not a title or for the championships. Keep pushing those big Samoans with Skandar Akbar at their side, their manager. Reeser Bowden is going to interview Ernie Ladd, the big cat. Akbar confronted Ladd. This is a great way to continue to build your story, your angle. Only for Offen Sika, of course, to attack from behind. Then the assassin comes out of nowhere to help Ladd by clearing the ring of those nasty hills, I put it. It sounds corny, but I love it anyways. I'm just going to keep it in there. Loved Ernie's promos, just classic interview segments. And, uh, you know, the Big Cat was a great star collegially, also in the NFL, 
and also one of the greatest professional wrestlers at 6'9". He covers the ground he walks on. You know, I, I need Jim Cornette's impersonation of the big cat. I'm going to work on that, so forgive me for that. Please don't, don't give me too much shame for that one. I beg of you. And then we get Tolly Blanchard versus, versus Coco Samoa. i got to be honest, never seen Coco Samoa wrestle before. But Tolly Blanchard is, I'm going to be partial. Blanchard, one of the greatest wrestlers to ever great step foot inside the wrestling ring, if you will, baby. I'm going to try a little bit of Dusty Rhodes. Once again, please. I tried. But Blanchard, before he went to Crockett to become such a, a star, he was already established, don't get me wrong, here in Mid-South, but he became a member of the Four Horsemen with Arn Anderson and, and Ole Anderson and the Nature Boy Ric Flair and also had James J. Dillon, one of the greatest managers ever, also a great wrestler in his own right by their side. And they just took the wrestling world by storm when talking, mentioning the Four Horsemen and Blanchard just proves he can adapt to any style. Coco Samoa executed some nice moves, kept up the pace with nice, good tempo. But Blanchard could wrestle fast, but also keep you grounded. Thanks to Cowboy Bill Watts, he mentioned that on commentary. You get those points across. You get the talent over. That's what he did. And, of course, I'm paraphrasing because that's not word by word the verbiage from Cowboy Bill Watts. So that's why I wanted to say that. Important to say paraphrasing. Totally opportunistic. You could see early shades of what would – how he would be as a singles competitor, I should say. And with Arn Anderson as his tag team partner, part of that team, Arn and Tully. Samoa could move through the air, his opponent, but Blanchard was too much. He won, and I was happy to see it. With all due respect to uh, Samoa, Coco Samoa, that is. Non-title match. We got a lot of non-title matches. We we saw one uh, championship match where the titles change hands with the Wild Samoans earlier on. But we get the Junkyard Dog, who is the champion of the state of Louisiana during this era in time, taking on Wayne Ferris. Maybe you, you're familiar with the name Wayne Ferris. Before he was an Elvis-type gimmick for Vince McMahon in the WWE as the honky-tonk man that he had bleached blonde hair out of the Tennessee Territory. He was a great heel and worked a different style. It was Wayne Ferris. You heard that correctly. And Ferris would... You know, we talked about it. he'd become the honky-tonk man. Him and JYD. This was actually a very good match. JYD, I noticed, was in peak physical condition. I'm not one to talk. I just love to be in the conversation of being in peak physical condition, by the way. But he was. He was just carved out of stone, that's for sure, was Junkyard Dog. And he was definitely over with all the people. I mean, he was one of the hottest baby faces and heroes in all that territory. And we saw what he did when he went to WWF, but he was definitely probably just as good, I'd say even better, when he was wrestling for Mid-South. But those facial expressions and body language of Junkyard Dog, that psychology that these wrestlers had, we see some of it today, but we still need to see more. I know, I, I like modern wrestling, just not as much as I like old school wrestling. So yeah, my opinion's going to be a little jaded. Stay with me, follow me now. I mean, Ferris got his shots in. I mean, now it's back and forth by watching this episode. But at the end, it was uh, Junkyard Dog wins it in this non-title match. Louisiana state champion, or champion of Louisiana. He rules that state for Mid-South Wrestling. Heck, he ruled the whole promotion 
Non-title match. We get North American heavyweight champion Bob Root versus Jesse Bartz. Another non-title match. You see a recurring theme. Nothing wrong with it. Barr did a fireman's carry trying to take down Roop, which he did, not trying, he did. Roop is a legit amateur wrestler. Barr tried to match that. That's the story they were telling in this match. And to show you more about Roop's amateur background, too, uh, Roop was an American heavyweight Greco-Roman wrestler who had competed in the 1968 Olympics or at the 1968 Olympics. I should clarify, he was an AAU champion also, and Roop wins. But he is your North American heavyweight champion. This was a non-title match, and Jesse Barr had an impressive showing. But at the end, it was Mr. Bob Roop who won the match, as we said. We're going to restate that point. Then we get in our main event, Ron Cheatham taking on the Mississippi heavyweight champion, Mr. Olympia. And Mr. Olympia controlled this match by using a lot of scientific-type maneuvers, utilizing an armbar submission holds, plural there on the S, because it wasn't just one hold. It was a lot at several armbar submission holds. By the way, Watts on commentary really supported and put over all its talent, but especially if they came from the amateur wrestling background with all the big universities from Oklahoma to LSU and more. The Cowboy always appreciated collegiate athletes as he played football for Oklahoma and was a great athlete in his own right as well as wrestler with backgrounds. You know, all these talking about Dr. Death, Steve Williams, a great example as well, and Bob Roop all had collegiate backgrounds in amateur wrestling. And Cheatham would came, came back or make a comeback on his opponent, but a sleeper hold applied by Mr. Olympia won the match as time ran out for the show, also for the match. So a nice way to kind of end it and uh, leave fans wanting more, especially of these storylines and angles. But Mid-South proved why they were one of the best territories in all of pro wrestling. And there you have it. It ain't going to take too much of your time, but I'm going to tell you, I miss the golden era of professional wrestling before WrestleMania, back when in Crockett Promotions, Mid-South Wrestling. We're talking about Mid-South, so let's keep it with the Cowboy Bill Watts, Ernie Ladd, Boyd Pierce, Reeser Bowden. You've heard those names. If you lived in those states, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, wherever it encompassed that region, you know how wild those crowds were. I mean, they really wanted to beat up the bad guys and the good guys they just loved and cheered and supported and, I mean, held in high regard, as you might expect, because the, the story was there. But this has been your host, Tyler Peters, and I had forgot when I opened this program, how dare I, that you want to find ways you can listen to past episodes of, of the program when talking about Tyler's Take the Podcast, including this new episode that will drop pretty soon as I'm recording the audio. It's real simple. Go to Anchor and Spotify, and we'll have more details, more information on ways you can go listen on the streaming platforms of the program. But we talked about Mid-South Wrestling from April 10th, 1982 for Tyler's Take the Podcast. I went back to some wrestling but we're going to change it up, talk some old TV shows, give you some examples, maybe some musical artists as well, just all forms of entertainment, like I said, with the different various genres, whether it's films, movies, sports, or professional wrestling. You'll get a little bit of everything. It's like a good old-fashioned buffet if you can have it now. But this has been Tyler's Take the Podcast, and I hope you all enjoyed going down memory lane, taking the trip down memory lane. It would help if I know how to say that old cliche, wouldn't it? That old saying is what I'm talking about. It's Mid-South Wrestling. We reviewed it on Tyler's Take and gave you a little bit of an opinion on it. 
of what some of the elements modern-day wrestling could borrow. And uh, there you have it. That's all the time we got for the show. And we did it within, actually, before half an hour. So there you have it. It don't take too much to listen, but I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been another edition, another brand-new episode, if you will, baby. I covers the ground I walk on, baby. That is Ben Tyler's Take, the podcast. We're signing off, or I should say I'm signing off and saying goodbye for now.